Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again to another Daily Grind. I am your host, Carl Frederick Allen III, or just CFA3 for short. I am honored to have an amazing guest came out all the way from out of town, because I don't specifically know exactly where he's coming from, but I'm sure we'll get into that conversation. P.W. Covington, sir, I gotta say, I am honored and grateful to have you here. Well, thanks a lot, Carl. Thanks for asking me to to join you here on the podcast. Uh, I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm excited about Sioux Falls anytime I get to read here. And we we rocked the place last night. I, I didn't get to bed till about four o'clock this morning. And uh, what a what a wonderful creative community you've got here. Beautiful city. I appreciate that, and it is. It's I, when I first moved here, I had coined. I, I don't want to say I coined the phrase, but I definitely said Sioux Falls is in a renaissance. It is in a place in a state right now that is just of pure growth, creativity, and the art, the scene, the the the, the creative nature of poetry. The fact that you know there are places now coming up in supporting of the creative nature. Um, it's amazing out here, and I have I've come to really love it and appreciate it, and has been connecting with as many creatives as I possibly can. So you know, being able to have heard you and and not knowing who you were before, and now having just outrageous respect for what you do in your craft is definitely well thank you man uh hell there's there's times when i don't know myself but uh i guess i i guess i think this is my third time visiting sioux falls and i've seen just in the last three or four years uh renaissance is a good word to use um um i think the first time i read here was at the bakery um which was you know functioned for quite a while as, as a real linchpin in the community there and uh now here at uh, downtown at uh, at Full Circle Books, I mean they're just they're they're doing a great job in fostering community down here, and that really is what it's about. Whether you're a visual artist or whether you're a writer, or whether you're a filmmaker, whatever the hell you are, um, none of us work in a vacuum. And uh, the way I see people feeding off of each other and inspiring each other and keeping each other honest and encouraging each other, man, that's golden. That's 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 awesome. You you could be anywhere in the world. Um, what you really need is community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, diving into it, because I, I really like to get an understanding of the poets as they are and, and you know, where it came from, because inevitably this is, an, uh, this is the search for understanding what the impact of poetry has had on the individual, because then that allows us to understand how it will impact the community and how it can, potentially. Um, how did you find poetry? Where did it come from for you? Um, as far as writing or or poetry you know, in its um, in its essence, how did you find it? When music, did you start? music yeah. has always been a big big thing for me. I uh, my teenage job, first job I ever had was working in radio, and uh, those were back in the days of cart machines and forty fives and thirty threes, and um, I didn't know that a board shift was four hours, so I was working twelve hours. A day on Saturday and Sundays when I was in high school, you know, wow, uh, running the board, playing records at a little uh, 10,000 watt AM FM combo, uh, a little little rural town in Texas, and um, I, I just really cued into what lyricists were doing, and uh, you know, I had to play stuff like George Strait and uh, and uh, you know, um, oh my God, it was uh, that was in that that early 90s. Uh, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, Brooks and Dunn era. As I, as they paid me to play that stuff, but I had access to this huge music library. Um, 
and uh, discovered folks like Chris Christopherson and uh, writers like Shel Silverstein and um, folks like that. And I've always been a big admirer of the lyrical work. Of, right. Tell a story. Yeah. Tell me a story. Give me a narrative yeah. um, to me. And uh, country music is a great place to start that from because you have folks like Tom T. Hall and you've got just uh, the, 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 the great storytellers um, in, that, in that genre. And at the same time, I was listening to a lot of, uh, of the hip hop that was coming off primarily the West Coast yeah. at that time. And um, they were telling stories as well. Yeah. And uh, it just impressed the hell out of me. And um, I always had great respect for lyricists. And then, of course, later on, discovered folks like Leonard Cohen and uh, Dylan, got into Dylan real deep. And uh, um, lyricists from the dead did some wonderful things. Oh, yeah. uh, so uh, always learning, and that led me to more literary pursuits and, and, and uh, eventually led me to a really deep respect for uh, the Beat Generation writers and what they were doing. Um, and um, started writing my own stuff. Uh, my early 20s um, and um, I, I found a lot of resonance in what they what those guys from the 50s were writing about in the way I was actually living my life at the time so uh, I like to I like to say you know the first time I read on the road I was sitting in the Travis County Jail in Texas after being arrested for uh, I was hitchhiking and I got a ride in a stolen truck and oh, uh, we had to sort that out so I was in jail for three days and I read on the road uh, off of one of those old library cards they push around and um, I was like, wow, the, I, these guys did it. This is what I've been doing. Maybe I'm not going all that wrong. Uh, it didn't end well for most of those cats. And uh, yeah. it, uh, it, it, didn't, it didn't for me. So I, I had to change and make some, make some changes. But uh, to me, uh, poetry is a way of communicating it's taking language down to its bare essence, you know, a, a good poet can tell you a story in four or five lines, maybe, right. that a novelist can spend 350 pages right. um, telling you, um, and uh, that's just the kind of stuff I like to be around. Yeah. Awesome. Um, when would you say you started writing? Uh, Mrs. Jansen's sophomore English class, I think, had to do a lot of journaling there. You know, oh, we all right. Uh, I didn't start taking myself seriously until maybe my my mid twenties. Okay. Um, um, writing, I, I I did a lot of writing when I was locked up. I, I done, man. I, I gave this. I gave the state of Texas a total of four years, or they took four years for me. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, um, and. Uh, was one of the things I could I could do is look back on my life and um, write you know little things here and there and reactions to, to to events of the day and most of that stuff was just terrible but it distracted me and every bad poem you write you're one closer to writing a good one huh. you know um, the first time I've heard so that. so just just get down there and you do the work and it's something I have to remind myself even now um, is is trust the work, trust your talent, yeah. you know, um, uh, you can develop it, but you also have to put your faith and trust in it that it's going to be there. Trust the heart. So, you know, um, started writing seriously, I guess, in my mid-twenties or so, awesome. and uh, didn't start publishing until maybe 
about 10 years ago. So wow. rode for about 20 years, fold up journals and notebooks and <laughs> napkins. And uh, I still have toilet paper wrappers from when I was in prison I would write on when I didn't have paper. Um, so I think the creativity, I'm just uh, telling those stories and connecting something beyond myself. I'd like to see my words go places that I can't physically go. Right. Um, right. Through time and through space. Right. Uh, and, and then the internet happened. <laughs> and, uh, the internet happened. That was uh, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. You know, and I still we were just talking about it before before we started recording of of building community um, nationally yeah. that way. Yeah. Internationally. Yeah. Technically, it can go globally with just a push of a button and you wouldn't even know who around the world would hear something that you've created, which is amazing. Hello, people around the world. <laughs> As we speak. Um, so with writing, you know, a lot of people have different reasons for putting words to paper, you know, putting the pen to the pad and, and getting those words out. Um, how do you utilize poetry? Yeah, utilize poetry, man. I don't know. Um... I, I I think if we try to bend poetry or bend art to a purpose, mm. it becomes something not art anymore. Sure, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, that's 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 not to say that that I don't write for an audience sure. um, or with an audience in mind, uh, whether that be readers or whether that be folks in in. Uh, in, in a live venue. I mean, I love re reading live. It's my bread and butter. Um, and I, I, uh, I enjoy reading in front of crowds. I enjoy reading in non-traditional venues. It shows. Um, um, bars <laughs> are, are my favorites. Uh, I prefer to read to intoxicated crowds or crowds that are getting that way. Um, I've read behind chicken wire before. Um, so that's... Uh, that's that's really where a lot of my inspiration comes from, and it's it's just a feedback loop. I get the energy from the crowd, and the and the going around the country doing it. That's gonna bring you experiences for good and bad, but it's yeah. all grist for the for the for the mill of writing, right? You know, right. or or art or expression in some way. Um, everything that comes in you, um, you find a way for it to come out, and I don't think. I'm not. I'm not sure there is a purpose to it. I think that's one of the joys of creative art. Yeah. Is um, here's this thing that we don't have to do. Right. We we don't have to do this to to survive or to, God forbid, pay the rent. Uh, poetry's never <laughs> gonna do that. But uh, it still happens, and it's happened through all time. Um, and uh, it's something uniquely human, I think, that we have in us. Right that it doesn't have to have a purpose. Right. Um, uh, you can definitely apply your experiences uh, about things and you can definitely write about particular topics and particular right. places and people. And I get that, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, Charles Bukowski once said something to the effect of, you know, what good is poetry? It's, it, you know, it doesn't make anything. It doesn't mow your lawn. It can't fix your house. There's, there's no purpose for it whatsoever. Um, yet, it's eternal to, to humankind. Some of the 
the most ancient civilizations. We only know about what happened in ancient Greece because of the poets. Yeah. We don't have the ledger books from the accountants, and we don't have very many court records, and we don't have any of the official documents, but we do have what the poets wrote down, and, and a lot of what we base our supposed knowledge of these civilizations on isn't coming from their historians or their scholars, it's coming from their poets. Wow, that is profound in its own. And I, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't think they, I don't think Plato intended um, any of that stuff to be around three thousand years after he wrote it. Right. You know, right. Uh, he was probably just a guy that said, "Hey, I'm going to tell a story. Yeah. I'm going to entertain some folks, maybe, yeah. and I'm going to write it because I want to write it." And uh, that's the stuff that we found. I'm sure there were, I'm sure there were thousands of people doing exactly the same thing, um, that that have been lost. Right. This is the cat that that was preserved and was found and then lost again and then rediscovered um, and we never know you never know where your words are gonna go and that's why I'm such a fan of the written word is when we when we perform live that's very ephemeral that's very here and now that's yeah. very exciting to be a part of um, and that's that's one of the good things about it is that it's here and now it's yeah. not you can't you, and yeah, I know there's Instagram poets, but you can't take that live reading experience and and really put it online. You can't get that experience of being in that crowd, especially not standing on that stage. Mm -hmm. But you can write it down, and that's that's you know for a verbal art form. Yeah, because poetry is a verbal art form. Yeah. Um, the best we can do is put it on paper. Yeah, um, because we can't be everywhere. Um, we can't be everywhere across time, um, so it's it's a real challenge to craft a piece that works on the page and on the stage, and that's something I've, I've I try to do. That's this about as much effort as I put into things. Is I I do want the piece to look good and to look approachable on the page and to flow off of the page onto the eyeballs well, but I also want it to flow off of the stage and into the ears mm -hmm. and into the mind and into the heart very well too, as, as, as well as I can do it. Sometimes I'm successful with that. Yeah. Do you think that, because being on stage, you're talking about just what it's like being on stage, I've noticed that that is a, you know, most poets don't understand, or not poets, but most people don't understand the difficulty it takes just to be able to be in front of people speaking your truth. It's the most common fear in the world, man. You know, um, uh, jumping out of an airplane isn't shit to, to presenting and public speaking in front of a crowd. You know, um, uh, it's, 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 it's that energy yeah. in the yeah. room, and that energy can go both ways. We've all had those nights where it just wasn't going. It's the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. Um, and then there's other nights that everything, I mean, you can do no wrong up there. Yeah. And uh, that's a hell of a feeling, too. Would you say that um, poetry and its delivery is almost similar to comedy and its delivery, even in regards to timing? I study comics. Really? Uh, for my stagecraft. I, I study comics. I, I admire other poets, but I study comics right. on uh, how, to, how to engage a crowd, how to mm -hmm. keep a crowd engaged. Like I mentioned before, I like reading in um, non-traditional venues, bars, and other places. And sometimes the places can get a little rowdy. Yeah. And sometimes there will be people that want... They don't want to be on stage, but they want to be a part of your show. Right. And uh, you have to learn how to handle that. Right. And you have to be able to do it in a way that keeps the room on your side. Right. And at the same time, um, 
gets rid of that problem, that issue, as quickly and as brutally as possible. Um, I'm not beyond doing that, but I, I looked at people like Bernie Mac was a big inspiration to me on, on the way he fed off the crowd. I don't know if anybody's ever seen his first appearance at the Apollo Theater. Um, and the Apollo Theater crowd was doing what Apollo Theater crowds do with this cat from Chicago that I never heard of before. And he comes out and he's got this crisscross outfit on, and it's just was it's that garish. The, that wasn't the Def Jet Comedy Jam, was it? Uh, I think it I think it was a Russell Simmons production. Yeah, okay, there. yes, yes. And uh, yeah. he, the crowd rattled him so bad that he he got out of his act. He free, he he couldn't access his 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 act. Yeah. Um, something he'd probably done a thousand times before in Chicago but the crowd rattled him so much that he just came out to the edge of the stage and looked him in the eye and just kept repeating I ain't scared of you motherfuckers that's the one yep I ain't scared of you motherfuckers and he kept at it he must have said it 12 times <laughs> and that crowd settled down and let him do what he did and he was able to get his act back and by by the end of his set he had the crowd with him yeah and that's some stagecraft. I look at uh, Louis C.K. is mm. probably a master. He's, you know, problematic. Everybody's problematic. Yeah. I'm not excusing anybody's behavior. I'm talking about his stagecraft. He was a master at hecklers. Uh, I grew up listening to Richard Pryor and George Carlin records. Um, <laughs> I still have one of those yeah, too. I, right? I, 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 I mean, Richard Pryor put out some great stuff in the, in the, the mid, late 70s, man. Um, those, those folks are my uh, role models in performance. I don't really look to slam poets. I don't really look to performance poets when it comes to stagecraft. I look to comics because these are cats that are sleeping in motel rooms and play in towns like Sioux Falls and even smaller places. You know, uh, um, the first decade or two you're doing this, you don't turn anything down. You go anywhere. Right. You know, hey, uh, what can you do for me? Well, we can give you pizza and beer. Hey, I'm there. You know, uh, you <laughs> cool. know, uh, it, it takes a little bit. Of, it takes more agency than I probably even have now to turn very many gigs down. Right. So, so you you buy a lot of gasoline, you eat a lot of cheap food, and you stay in a lot of motel sixes, and you sleep in a lot of rest stops. Um, but if it's your art, it's it's it's, it's worth it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, going to performance, I noticed that your style of going back and forth from the microphone to using your projective voice. Is that something that you developed? Is that something that you kind of crafted as time went on? Or was that something that just was snapped and clicked in? If I could give a, if I can give a, a neophyte reader a bit of advice is go online and get you a cheap PA system and a microphone. Yeah. Spend a hundred bucks on this and learn how microphones work. Yeah. Uh, the microphone is every bit as much of an instrument on the stage as, as a guitar or a bass or a horn or a drum kit. You have to get an appreciation. It's, it's good if you can get an appreciation for how microphones work, right. um, the way that they meet up with amplifiers, the, the, the way you can compress your voice, the way, you can, the, the way that you can use the microphone um, to do things with your voice that your voice couldn't normally do. And, and, and know your material. Know... Uh, read your material three or four times to yourself in different ways and see what makes the most sense. And then you get out there working and you, you find out what really works. And you have, to, you have to let that drive you. You can't keep forcing a delivery that doesn't work. You have to watch the crowds, you have to listen, and you have to use the technology that's available to you. Um, and sometimes I move around a lot. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I wasn't able to do much of that in here yesterday because it's kind of a small performance space. But if you give me give me a big enough stage and and I'll use all of it. You know, um, I, sometimes I'll even come off stage and go go into the audience um, and and bridge that gap, um, make that make that physical connection. Um, it's uh, it's something to do. But yeah, learn learn. Learn about microphones. Learn how to project. Um, fill a room. Uh, if you can speak, you can project. Mm -hmm. You know, um, um, yeah, this is something actors learn. Something comics learn. And there will be those days when when your equipment isn't there, or it's broken, or there's that one thing that you don't have. Um, uh, guitar players will know this. You know how many how many minutes and hours in grand total. On any given tour, spent looking for the elusive capo. <laughs> I, I don't know. There are little capo gremlins out there. Steal those fuckers, um, and then you'll show up, and they'll tell you, "Yeah, there's a house PA. It's great." And the PA won't be working that day, or the microphone would have just shorted out the day before, or something. Uh, the show goes on. Yeah. You know, and if uh, you don't have that amplification, you better find a way to reach those people in the back row, or they're gonna get up and leave. Um, these are folks. Always respect your audience. You know they're they're giving up whatever in the hell it is they're giving up. Yeah. You know it could be a night at TV. It could be a night at home making love. It could be there was a rodeo in town last night. You know um, maybe maybe they didn't want to come to the rodeo. Maybe I'm gonna check my shit out instead. So I better make it worth it. You know I better yeah. make it at least as entertaining as a I don't know something hanging on to a cow. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in performance, you know, because again, we're, we're, we're talking about being on the stage and the things that go on with that weird question to ask, but I feel like it's, you know, it, with a seasoned poet, what is more important, content or delivery? Money. Money. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I think, you, I don't think you can separate the two. No? Okay. I, I think it's I think that's very much like when you ask a songwriter, you know, is it the music or the lyrics? Yeah. And uh, the folks I respect the most look at you weird with that question. I go, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. It just kind of gelled. It just kind of happened that yeah. way. Um, delivery will get my attention. Content will keep it. Right. You know, and I think that uh, be, be conscious of your content in how you deliver. Um, it's it's you have to be engaging I mean I know some great writers that I, I don't they don't engage me from the stage and I'd much rather uh, look at their work on, on the page um, likewise I know some some really awesome performers uh, very very in the very best way flashy yeah you know um, yet uh, they either don't publish you know, a lot of slam writers are like like that. They they you know, it's like pulling teeth to get these folks to publish. Um, I've I've had the opportunity to try to talk some of my slam friends into that process. It usually takes about two years of lobbying to get them to to agree to it. Um, and they're doing their thing, and that's great. Um, but you make it worth the folks that are coming to seize time. Right. You know, uh, respect that much. Um, know your material. Yeah. Um, uh, not saying you can't get up there and read something you wrote today. Right. 
because that happens a lot, and I understand it's a new baby, <laughs> it's 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 the new thing. Um, Want to get it out there? Yeah, very rarely will I do that. You know, uh, I prefer to keep my stuff with a little bit of an incubation period, sure. because I may I love everything I write. Yeah, as soon as I've written it, um, two weeks later, maybe not so much. Um, and uh, I've got journals and journals full of things that'll never see the light of day, and I'll absolutely never be on stage anywhere. But like we were talking earlier, uh, sometimes you have to clear that that dross out before you get to the to the good stuff, and it's right. going to surprise you when it pops up, you know. Um, and you get a keeper every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you feel then with that that there are sometimes there's a need to either write it when when we write is there a need for rewrites um do you feel that sometimes writing something down and then coming back to it later is important or you know for some poets who just are able to write it one and done and call it a day you know how does how does one determine what works for them you got to go out and do it man yeah i mean um that that's something that's going to come with experience and and the more you write the more you'll 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 understand your own process. Right. The more you'll you know your own capabilities and uh, your own boundaries, and you'll be able to eventually be able to to, to stretch those yeah. and expand those and challenge those. But find that thing that you do. Find that thing that you do well, and do it. Yeah. And keep doing it. And keep doing it. Um, because if it's connecting with people, um, what works. Everybody has everybody has this belief that their scene, that their group of poets, that their their writer friends, are so unique, and and we are we're we're, we're entire universes, each one of us. But that being said, generally, what works in Sioux Falls is going to work in Dallas, and it's going to work in Memphis, and it's going to work in San Francisco. Uh, they'll there will be some surprises they'll be they'll, uh, I have a prose collection out right now so I'm reading more prose from the stage but I'm delivering it in a very audience engaged way um, and um, you can uh, get surprised sometimes um, I, I've, I've I've noticed laugh lines in places where they were not intended to be in certain crowds um, and I've noticed silence in places where there were reactions uh, in other cities. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that can be night to night in the same place too. It's just uh, that's that's live performance, you know. And that's 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 always the deal with live performance. Is the, is the audience is part of the part of the the whole deal there, man. Yeah. Um, as it as you have uh, the works that you've put together, do you notice that there is a topic or theme that comes up more than others? Movement, man, the energy of go, yeah, um, which is a very beat uh, inspired thing. Yeah, um, it, the idea that our limitations are almost entirely self-imposed, and uh, I've had that statement criticized and picked apart oh well, that's coming from such a position of privilege and and i can't do it and, and you don't understand you know um i've slept under tables in roadside parks you know I've, I've i've done years in the penitentiary um i've i was homeless for a period of years uh out in california and in the southwest um but uh i always had two feet that worked so i guess i'm privileged in that aspect right um, 
and the wits to know, you know, just the basic rules of the road. You know, when you yeah. hit a new town, where do you go? You go to the public libraries where you go because you can wash up and all the other cats are hanging out there and you can get the lowdown on everything from shelter to food to yeah. dope to what kind of relations there are with the police in that town just right. by hanging out and talking to people. All of the um, public library. The public public library. That, I mean, that's that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons libraries are so vital and so important yeah. is it's, it's not just a place um, to go with story time with the kids right. or to uh, access that internet on that job search or to look up that thing. Right. It's also, uh, for a lot of marginalized people, it is a, a community resource. It's one of the few places you can be publicly and not have to have a reason to be there. Right. You know, you can sit and read a newspaper and hopefully nobody comes up and messes with you doing right. that. Right. Um, so there's always a way to get out there. Um, just for me, it's just go. Yeah. Get out there, see, do, yeah. feel, engage, um, and, and help out when you can, you know, you can, there's something to being that, that, that tourist, but beyond that, there's something to being a traveler. Yeah. And I think there's a there's a difference in that. That's right. And that's a difference in that. Run out of money, go work a few days a day, labor somewhere. You know, get that 60 bucks or that 100 bucks in your pocket and take it on down the line. Yeah. Um, I lived that way for most of 10 years, wow. you know. Um, and uh, I still draw on a lot of that energy and a lot of those memories. And, of course, now, now I ride around... Um, on wheels of rubber and the occasional airplane. Uh, it blows my mind every time I get on an airplane to commit poetry because it's just, <laughs> I, never, I never thought that would happen. And, uh, and it is, so I have to pinch myself sometimes. But get out there and do that. And maybe your journey isn't out there on the physical highway. Right. Maybe it's looking inward. Right. Um, either way, start that trip. Mm. You know, uh, please explore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and learn the virtues of being a traveler, right. uh, wherever that is. Not so much a tourist, because anybody can look at a pretty picture and a brochure yeah. and, and, and get that. Um, become a part of it, you know, gonzo traveling, you know, become part of the story. Right. Uh, you go somewhere and you see an opportunity to help out, do so. Integration. And, and, and you, can, you can help yourself out that way too, especially yeah. if you're doing this on a shoestring. You know, um, hey, uh, you guys need help running. The, you just you just had a tornado come through your town. Yeah. Um, do you guys need help running the shelter? Do you guys need help clearing this this brush? Do you right. need, what do you need here? And the funny thing is, when you start working um, in that way, um, there's always some somebody around to feed you. There's always a place to crash, um, and you get to know people. And uh, the people that are going through those difficulties. Uh, I spend a lot of time these days down on the border, um, wow. uh, Texas-Mexico border. I live yeah. in New Mexico. Um, uh, a week ago today, I was actually in El Paso, in, in Juarez and in El Paso, um, and, and talk to people because there's always a need and there's always an opportunity. Uh, um, a good friend of mine in McAllen, um, a few months ago, we, we, we were able to, to go to the bus station in McAllen. And, uh, we had uh, bought some eggs and some tortillas and had made up some tacos and uh, just went down there probably, we spent all day making these tacos, probably about 150 tacos maybe. And uh, we went down there and we were talking with, with uh, migrants that had just been released from ICE custody. Uh, they had somebody in this country who would vouch for them and they had bus tickets 
uh, all over the place. Yeah. But they were basically just dropped off at the bus station with this great big sign, this great big envelope that had that had it in great big bold letters on the outside of it. I do not speak English. Uh, please assist me mm. in finding my bus. And I'm like, their first stop from McAllen is the Houston bus station. You ever been through the Houston bus station? That is not a place you want to walk around with a sign saying you don't <laughs> understand the language. Um, so I don't know what's going on there, but just that friendly face that, hey, do you need to make a phone call? Right. You know, right. I've got a cell phone here. Something you know, you need to contact somebody. Um, being able to speak to people in their own language and, and clarifying these things. Okay, well, you're, you know, as you know, you're going to Dallas and from there you're going to Memphis and from there you're going to Elizabeth, New Jersey. Um, and these are the places you need to change the buses and just explaining that. Um, showing you know, there's not a problem in the world that a hot taco can't fix. And you show up with some with some some yeah. some papas and eggs taco, and uh, you know, um, this is probably you know some for some of these folks, it's the first human kindness they've seen in weeks yeah. since since they left their home, yeah. and. Um, it was just such a such a pleasure to be able to do that. A friend of mine, his name is Edward Vidaldi. He's the uh, poet laureate of McAllen, Texas, and he, he took me down there one night, and, and we spent probably two or three hours talking to folks. Yeah. And some of those stories are just heartbreaking. But the point is, is 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 find some way to engage in that community wherever you're at. Right. Yeah, even if it's just sitting at a coffee shop editing something. We've gotten so device oriented. Um, yeah. that we've forgotten how to strike up conversations yeah. on public transit or in coffee shops um, on the street. Yeah. Um, I travel a lot and I, I travel you know, primarily in this hemisphere, but one of my best things to do, and the Surgeon General is not gonna like me for this, carry cigarettes with you. Ah. Carry a pack of cigarettes with you. <laughs> and uh, sit on a park bench. Yeah. And maybe you're not an extroverted person, maybe you're an introvert. Yeah. Um, Sit on a park bench in a public place on a nice day, smoke a cigarette. If there's any kind of foot traffic around at all, somebody eventually will come up to you and ask you for a cigarette yeah. or a light. Yeah. And that's your opportunity. Sure, hey, what's your name? That's how it starts. And and you'll hear the greatest stories. And the, the, if you're a writer, you thrive on that. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I, I can't go everywhere and do everything, but I can listen to where you've been and what you've done. Yeah. And I will steal that and I will put it in a poem. <laughs> oh man uh, oh man that's it, it's hard to want to transition from that because it's there's a lot that I feel goes into you know being Hispanic and, and knowing some of the things that are coming up and just knowing how important food is for Hispanics and, and how connective that is I think it's true for all cultures sure but, and it is, but, but yeah. let's put it this way yeah. I'd rather I'd rather uh, uh, share a, uh, a taco or or, or Comida corrido with someone uh, uh, than haggis. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, yes. Uh, I, I, I think food food is uh, it's it's the way our families show us that they love us. Yeah. Uh, especially uh, especially my Latino friends. You know, I love all of my Latino friends' moms and TS yeah. because yeah. you come over, you eat. You know, uh, <laughs> have you eaten yet? Are you hungry? Well, we just came for lunch. Ah, sit down. I'll make you something. You know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that, I think we're, we're all raised that way. So those those first emotional connections we have uh, with the with the outside world come to us through food. I think it's the first art we're exposed to. 
you know, uh, is, 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 is the culinary arts. Is, I don't care if it's peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't care if it's a quesadilla or whatever it is that your, your mom or your, or your tia or your grandmother made you. Yeah. Um, it was made with love. Yeah. And anything you create with love is art. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if it's a statue or if it's a, a painting or a novel or a dance routine yeah. or um, a song. Uh, if, if, if you sit down with the intention of connecting to other people out of love, what you've done is made art. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, going into... At and we don't have to dive into age. Uh, you know, I, I just I feel like this is a question to ask because, you know, we are all unique in our path. And, and at the moment, it is always going to be different from, you know, 18 to 33 to wherever we are in our life. Um, but at your age now, what perspective or insight do you feel you bring to your audience or just to the people that you interact with on a regular basis? I have the privilege and the curse of catching maybe 25 or 30 different open mics a year, some years more, um, uh, some years a lot more, yeah. um, all over the country, all over the hemisphere. Mm. And uh, you hear some, some, some work uh, that needs more work yeah. a lot of times. And you hear some just really kick-ass stuff. Yeah. Um, one of my greatest uh, something makes me feel good where I'm at now. I'm 45 years old. I've I've pretty much been trying to to do this full time now for going on 20 years. Um, I know my material. Yeah. I'm comfortable on stage. I'm I'm. I'm confident in my ability to either have a good night or a bad night, however it works out, and to get up and do it again the next night somewhere else. I, I, I'm not stressing on that. I know my work. What I dig is, is listening to the other voices in the room. I'm a 45-year-old white man. I have a certain set of experiences and a certain set of, um, of, of expertise, I guess. I've, 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 I've fucked up my own stuff <laughs> enough to to be very comfortable with that yeah. I want to listen to what other people uh, folks that don't have the same experiences as I and aren't coming from the same perspective as I am I want to listen to those voices and uh, I want to when I have the opportunity to make space for those voices but just to sit and to listen um, and if something doesn't strike me right if, if something um, I don't want to use the word offend me. I don't think you can offend me uh, with a poem. But if something's just kind of, well, that's not actually, I have to remember to ask myself. I have to remember to, to say, why is, why is, why am I reacting that way to this right, right now? Right, right. And that's something that, you know, a kind of uh, meditation brought to my life and, and, and my Buddhist practice brought to my life is to be aware of our thoughts as we're thinking them. Right. And you don't have to, that doesn't have to fuel a response. Sometimes you can sit with that uncertainty, and if you sit with it long enough, you're going to find an answer. Right. Why did that trigger this in me? I do not like. I, I I don't get into the whole trigger warning thing. I don't. If it's if it triggers you, yeah. Why does it trigger you? Mm. Sit with your demons. Mm. Dance with your demons. <laughs> you know, 
Um, the things that scare you, go to the places that scare you. Listen to the words that that you maybe don't agree with. Right. And you can, and, and you may analyze that, and you may come out of it. Yeah, I thought about that, and no, that catch fucked. You know, I yeah. can't go there. Yeah. Um, but give it a chance first. Right. Find out why. You know, is it is it ignorance in the truest sense of the word? Is it just lack of knowledge? Right. Just lack of experience, or is someone being inflammatory um, intentionally? Right. Um, and if so, why? You know, um, what what's the real point they're trying to make? Because nine times out of ten, it's not going to be about the specifics of the rhetoric you just heard. Right. There's going to be emotions and experiences and uh, community there just below the surface is fueling all of that. And I think what I enjoy is being able to experience that and contextualize that. Right. And, and walk away at the end of the night with some perspectives and some points of view that I didn't have at the beginning of the night. And that's, thank you poets for bringing that to the world, you know, um, um, especially on the stage. It's one of the greatest places we can do that. We're all in one place at one time for one purpose. And just that much energy right there gives us a platform for, for man, Let's let's be friends, man. Yeah. Let's let's talk this out. Let's use our words. Right. You right. know. Um, and man, I, I, we we need some fucking words right now. You know. <laughs> yes, I, I, do. I I believe in the power of it. Oh. Wow. Uh, I I really do. Yeah. Uh, even when it, you know that's faith is uh, is believing the sun's gonna come up, um, while it's the middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and it will. And it will. We've been here before. Yeah. We've, uh, we've, our, our, our country, our society, our planet uh, has been in tough situations before, and it has always been the creatives. It's always been the people uh, not afraid to to put their voice out there and express themselves that have lit the way out of very dark places. And uh, it's happening. It, it's happening. And if the, the, the voice of the voiceless is uh, my favorite thing to experience now. The depths, man. Oh, good God. Chills. And, and that's such a, it's such a great thing to hear, knowing that, you know, because going back and when we're talking about the ancient, you know, f- philosophers and, and poets of, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, and to know that, you know, they probably stuck around and we know them now because they were the ones who were the the forerunners for trying to overcome a struggle that was there and you know through them we try to learn yeah and here now you know we're in this new generation where you know i i would sit there and think that you know if anybody's gonna be stuck throughout thousands of years from now you know poem wise i would imagine you would be one of them you know we never know. We never know. We're right. sitting in, sitting in a, a bookstore right now talking, and every one of those books on the shelf, every last one of those books was somebody's dream. Yeah. There's so much emotional investiture in this, whether it's a little chapbook, whether it's a 30-page poetry chapbook, yeah. or whether it's Webster's Unabridged Dictionary. Somebody put uh-huh. a shitload of work into that. Yeah. On the off chance... That, that this thing is now a thing. Yeah. It's a tangible item. And um, it, it has the capability now of outliving me, of traveling places I can never go, yeah. 
of, of, of being in front of people that I will never meet. And um, it's, I, I, like to, I like to call a book a time machine. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's just like a photograph. It's something physical. Here it is. Here it is. And, and you know, I could, I could leave here tonight and get run over by, I don't know, a waterfall. <laughs> but uh, the, this much is here. And if somebody gives a shit or trips over it someday or they're remodeling and they find it in the, the, the wall of an old house or something, it's there. And uh, that communication is that, that distillation of what I was feeling when I wrote yeah. and what anybody was feeling as they put together any one of these thousands and thousands of books in this building, yeah. uh, that's a part of them that's going to outlive them. And there, there's great energy and potential in that. Then again, it could just all be lost and, and nobody <laughs> gives a shit. And, uh, you know, there's something like something like six billion titles or something available on Amazon right now. Wow. It's ma- majority of them sold like 10 copies, you know. I, I published this and I bought some copies and I gave some to my mom. Yeah. And that's as far as a lot of this with the with the pub, with the print on the damn done band and the, and the self-publishing, which I think is awesome. Yeah. I, I think I I'm I'm a big fan of that. The democratization of of, of publishing is is real. Yeah. Uh, any anybody with a smartphone connection now can publish and have worldwide distribution. Yeah. Um, yeah. which was not always the case and that uh, that is helping marginalized voices more than anybody else yeah. um, it's it's short-circuiting that whole uh, publishing paradigm and you're seeing the big houses come on board now yeah. you know, Barnes & Noble is doing some self-published titles now um, where you can buy them in their stores um, you've got a resurgence in indie bookstores all over this country yeah. and it's being fueled by the community it's being fueled by local writers um, publishing anthologies and, and collections and, and self-publishing titles and getting in there and doing those readings and reading maybe maybe you read for four or five people you know maybe you read for four or five hundred you know I've done both uh, I've, I've, I've had readings where five people was good you yeah. know once five people showed up I felt a lot better about it yeah. you know um, but we've removed those barriers and now it's just a matter of connecting with that audience and that's a different skill set as well. That's marketing, that's promo, and that's that's things that some writers are better at than others. But if the work is good, you're gonna find an audience. Yeah. Hopefully that transcends you, it goes beyond you and your time and your place. But we never know. Yeah. It's a gamble, you know, and it's an investment in the art. Yeah. You have to trust the art. Yeah. You have to trust the art. And thank you, Internet, for allowing us to have that opportunity. <laughs> um, how honest do you get with your audience, man? Because, I mean, you seem to be a very there's, just... There's no walls in my life, man. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I, learned, I learned a while back, as, as I started to get a larger profile, I learned that people are going to say whatever the hell they want to say about you. Right. And it's not always going to be flattering. Um, and uh, my philosophy is I'm going to beat them to the punch. Yeah. If there's something in my life that, uh, oh my God, the word that's being thrown around right now is problematic. I find the word problematic problematic. Uh, but if, if there's something in my life that's problematic, yeah. I'm going to be the first one to let you know about it. Right. Because if you hear it from me first... I know you at least got my side of the story, and then you can think whatever the hell you want to think about me. Right. But I'll know that, that at least I put that out there, and I uh, was at least able to present it to you. So, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, um, 
you know, my own demons, uh, yeah. anxiety, depression, um, substance use, yeah. occasional abuse, um, relationships, you know, um, it, we have to be careful sometimes about involving other people. Yeah. But I think that's kind of just goes with the territory of being a writer. If you're in a writer's life, you're going to be in their work too. They may or not put your name to it. But uh, everybody we meet influences our work in some way, even if it's that we choose not to write about that. Yeah. Um, so, the, again, it comes down to doing it. Yeah. You know? Um, so, do you have any uh, closing thoughts? Uh, something, you know, for those who are listening who might want to jump into poetry, but, you know, kind of get into, and you have any. Any thoughts, anything? Man, um, don't do it. Um, because once you do, and uh, once you read something that came out of your heart, came out of your soul, came out of your mind in front of a group of people, yeah. and you hear that applause, that's the best drug ever. And I, I'm a big advocate of <laughs> recreational drugs. We could do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> kind of a Joe Rogan thing, I guess. Uh, but but we're doing poetry here and, and performance, anything. Uh, I, I, the first time you connect in that way yeah. with 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 people, um, you're hooked, man. Yeah. You know, it's what's going to get you out of bed the next day and drive 500 miles to do it again somewhere to another room where you don't know anybody. Right. Um, it's it's going to fuel that. So unless you're ready to take it all away, yeah. don't. Yeah. You know, read other people's stuff. Yeah. That, that's dangerous too, because the more you read, sooner or later you're gonna pick up a pen. <laughs> I promise it. You know, you don't have to read. I, like I said, I started. I was listening to Bob Dylan songs and, uh, you know, uh, um, Shel Silverstein tunes. You know. I can do that, you know. I, 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 work in a, I was working top forty country radio, man. What better place in a control room on a top forty country radio station, at probably six, seven, eight, ten, twenty times an hour? The thought crosses you: I can write better than that. This is before the internet. We couldn't go on Facebook and make fun of people. We couldn't. We couldn't vent that way. Right. So you're just frustrated. What do you do with that? Well, fucking prove it if yeah, you can. Yeah. Sit yeah. down, write yourself a country song. Show up. It's, it's, it's not all that hard, guys. Uh, a little bit of wordplay, a couple of double meanings on words, a nice hook at the end where you bring it back home. If the kid leaves that small town, make sure he's back in that small town by the end of the song. Um, if, if you break up with somebody, go get drunk about it. It's not hard to write a country song. Do it. And I just pick on country music because it's easy to pick on. Right. But uh, listen to that genre of music, whatever that is yeah. um, hip-hop I mean I love gangster rap from the 90s yeah I love it love it love it love it love it yeah. but there's a formula to it it's not hard to write right sit down and sit down and write that stuff right. and 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 I promise you it's gonna be as good as anything that's coming out of Nashville or New York or Los Angeles they just have more money to soup it up yeah they have more more resources to wrap around it yeah. than you do um, and keep keep writing man you know, uh, how many times can you rhyme true and blue? Oh. But how many millions of dollars and careers have been made rhyming true and blue? You know, do it, man. It's not difficult. Do it. Well, I'm going to leave it to you to uh, give us a little bit of what you have. And Sure. I think I, I've got to... You're a, willing. You know. uh, well, 
I'm willing, man. I've been from Tucson to Tucumcari. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, from Albuquerque to Sioux Falls. Um, but yeah, I've got a couple of things from this collection called the Motor Hotels of Central Avenue, um, which is my latest poetry collection. I published it shortly after moving to Albuquerque. I live two blocks off of Route 66 as it goes through Albuquerque. Uh, it's Highway 40 nowadays. Um, but I, I, uh, I do have a couple of pieces here that I'd like to share from that collection. Um, as I find my place, because I, uh, you know, I was talking, we, 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 how much time we spend yeah. with these projects. And then uh, when we actually come to it, it's like, ah, ah, it's like the first time you've ever seen the damn book. Right. I'm going to read a piece um, that was inspired. Um, this is the first thing I wrote after our uh, most recent presidential election. And it took me a while to know how to confront that. And this, this piece doesn't offer any answer or make any bold statements, but I was, I was, I was, I was at Standing Rock for on election night. And um, when what happened happened, I left. And yeah. uh, it was a long ride back home. And a few weeks later, I was, I was down in McAllen, Texas, where uh, uh, the folks just really, uh, it's just a great community down there. And they've always embraced my work. Um, it was a few few weeks after the election. This was the first piece I wrote. It's called 10th Street. And uh, 10th Street is a major um, street in McAllen, Texas. It runs from the border, probably about 15 or 16 miles uh, north of the border. And it's where all the businesses and everything are. It's called 10th Street. 10th Street hangover morning, contraband post office visit, Huevo Progreso, Mexico, yesterday. Pharmaceuticals and Cuban tobacco sent by mail away to a mountain state in a cardboard box, hair of the frog soaking in blood orange and vodka, Edinburgh in early December, post-election overcast, I only feel old on mornings like this. I should have died decades ago in aircraft wreckage and African smoke. What do the empowered young women see when they look at me? Do they look at me? Gray hair and a 38-inch waist, Leonard Cohen, Lana Del Rey, coffee shops on midweek days, too close to call, yet too far away. Reflections are not reality. Ambitions do not defy gravity, but those eyes. I want to drink her. Swim in her depths that she reads James Baldwin out loud. Then she should leave me. With her taste on my face for dinner with her fiancé. My knee never used to scream like this. My country never used to elect fascists. 10th Street, all the way to Trenton, past Ferguson, past Standing Rock, past galactic checkpoints in time eternal, curling back to someplace left behind for good, past the prisons I refused to let confine me. What of youth? And what of you? And what of her? And what of truth? On 10th Street. 
Yeah, so sometimes it's just that type of feeling of that I, place. I, I I am super grateful to have had you be able to put that down. That is that is far deeper than I think most people will have. They'll probably listen to that a few times to hear that because holy <laughs> crap. Well, um, thank you. Uh, unfortunately, time's coming short, uh, but you know what? It was awesome to have you here. P.W. Covington, I am... Again, honored to even have you here. Um, definitely a blessing, and I'm grateful that you were open enough to have this conversation. This is, yeah. Absolutely, man, and uh, keep it up with the podcast. I appreciate you know, it. Uh, so keep, keep spreading the word, man. We got, we got to be evangelists for the, for the spoken word, man. Yes. You know, and uh, the spoken word, the written word, it's fucking communication, man, and that's that's beginning of the solution to just about any problem is communication. Well, before it goes, uh, kick off uh, where people can find you, where people can look at you, get some material. World Wide Web, man. Um, friend me on Instagram. I'm at BeatPW. B-E-A-T-P-W. Um, that'll get you everywhere. I'm the only PW Covington No Periods on Facebook. I have the social media habits of a 14-year-old girl whose daddy did not love her enough. I'm all over that thing. Um, catch me out on the road. There's no telling where I'll be. I, I read in San Francisco a lot. I, I read out here as often as I can. Um, find me. I'll, I'll be out there. If you want me to be somewhere I haven't been before, I'd love to get with you. Uh, we have a lot of fun with this. Man. Well, again, the amazing, amazing words of P.W. Covington. I, again, have to be just unbelievably thankful, man. This was an amazing experience. It was great to see you on stage. It was great to see your presence, and it was encouraging to know that there are there are people who take the craft as seriously as they do, and give respect to it, because, man, this is... I feel that poetry has such an impact that we, we haven't shed light on enough, and like we were saying before, you know, there are people who have been doing this for thousands of years, and now we are at a place where, you know... It's, the internet has allowed us to be able to be at so many different places and express the truth and just be completely open and honest about how we're feeling. And the more we talk about it, I think the more we find we have a connective tissue to draw each other around. And poetry is that, spoken word is that. It's the power of language distilled, man. <sighs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you guys again. If you've listened this far, go again, the Daily Grind, the Society of Poets out here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, you can reach me at my Instagram, 88, uh, 80.8 underscore industries. Um, again, if you've been listening this far, like, share, leave a comment underneath, man. Um, let's continue the conversation. Let's keep having this dialogue. Let us make sure that we know that, you know, people have a word and people's words are valid and we need more platforms for people to be able to express their truths and have their their voices heard um you know more places for us to be able to express the struggles that we're going through and know that we're not alone know that we're not by ourselves because that's the first step so uh thank you guys again i appreciate you mr covington and uh <laughs> thanks for having me man in the beginning there was the word you guys have a great rest of your night thank you again peace